Hello and welcome to episode 34 of Just Keep Writing. A podcast for writers, by writers, to keep you writing. I'm Marshall. And I'm Nick. And oh, you're lucky I like you. And you're lucky we have a guest on today, sir, because I'm upset. No, I'm just kidding. You almost missed your cue, but I'm going to cut it out. It's going to be fine. And with us this week, uh, joining us once again, is Mr. Will Ralston. How you doing, buddy? I'm great. How are you guys? I'm, I'm doing good. I'm glad you're back. Me Nick, too. how are you? I, you know what? I'm here. I'm making it through. <laughs> the state of Utah is going from a red phase or category, whatever you guys want to call it now. To orange, which means I might be able to sit down at a Texas Roadhouse and have some sweet rolls. Nice, dude. That does sound good. Will, how are you surviving out there? You're on the East Coast. I'm surviving pretty good. I'm ready for the lockdown to be over, but it'll be over when it's over. Yeah, I'm with you. Thankfully, we live pretty remotely. We don't have very many cases um, in my county, but um, we're, you know, we're still on lockdown with the rest of California, so... Uh, not much has changed. I guess we've done this. What did we do this two weeks ago? Yeah. Three weeks yeah. ago, the three of us. Um, but not much has changed since then, except, uh, we're all at home, hopefully writing. Right. Cause we all talked off mic about how much writing we're doing. Technically. I actually, I, I actually wrote a, wrote a lot today. You're, you're impressing me by the way. How many words did you end up writing today? Uh, you um, texted me this morning, a crazy number. And I didn't know if you kept going. Well, I didn't. I didn't go too much farther than that. I did six thousand three hundred and eighty-six words. That's more than I've done since a long time. Yeah, but more than I've done I, in the it, last two weeks. It ebbs and flows. Like I didn't write for a good, probably like eight days, because I needed to rethink. I'm in a challenging part of a book the book I'm writing. And so I needed to just think sometimes I just needed to think and kind of read other things. And then finally I was like, I'm going to sit down and write today with not with the intention of writing a ton. I was just like, I'm just going to write until I can. And in about four hours I did, um, the 6,000. That's awesome. That's I mean, legit. And, and hopefully, and like I was telling you guys, uh, before we start recording is hopefully this weekend, I'm going to get back and Write a few thousand words. I'm trying to write this short story for next month for Fire, um, for Fire Magazine. I missed the window for this month. Obviously, it was due today. Um, but I've been doing this house project. I built a fence for God's sake, so that's done. That's so hopefully, hopefully, in the next couple of days, I'll be able. To, now that the fence is done, uh, I can sit out in the front yard with my laptop uh, this weekend. Hopefully, even though it's supposed to rain, um, and get some get some words on the page. So that'd hey, be good. There's nothing wrong with sitting out on the weekend and getting rained on without a laptop though. Well, I, I like my laptop. I just don't, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Mr. Nick, uh, hey, hey. we have some housekeeping stuff we want to tackle this week before we get into our topic of the week, sir. Uh, 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 let me think. Mm, no, things are so quiet right now. And I know everyone, you wrote, you wrote something in here, by the way. Oh, shoot. Don't tell me that. Leave this part Something in. About this Tempest. is great. Tempest. Oh, oh my gosh. I was cueing you so to say sorry. the thing that you wrote. <laughs> like here, here's the thing. I did the outline. I was like kind of proud about it. I was like, oh yeah, I finally did this. Been six months. And I you just didn't even have it on your screen. That, oh, I had it on my screen. <laughs> Wasn't even looking. And I was like, no, Discord's quiet. Everyone's like tired of this bullshit. Yes. Oh, oh, when you're done uh, with your announcement, right. I do want to circle back to Discord before we move on. 
Okay, perfect. Uh, no, Tempest, Tempest K. Bradford, uh, this weekend, the first weekend of May, um, is having a online Zoom class. And it is, how do you use social media as a writer? Um, Tempest is one of our ultimate sweethearts, favorites, um, however you want to say it. I love Tempest. She's so much she's fun. She's one of my favorite humans. Yeah. And she's... <laughs> She's awesome. And she yeah. teaches really, really well. So I highly, highly encourage you guys to, you know, jump on our website. Link's going to be provided in our show notes um, and get signed up for the class. There are scholarships available and things like that. I'm not sure when they close out though, um, because probably by the time of this posted episode, you've got like less than 24 hours. So get on it, take the class and learn how to use social media as a writer. Cause I said and she does a ton of other stuff too, writing the other classes and stuff like that. So definitely check love. out her stuff. She's a really, really good teacher. Mm-hmm. So have you taken any of her stuff? Will? I've taken all five classes. Oh, damn. Okay. I wrote how to write, writing the other, and I've read the book. Well, I read the book like, I don't know, every two months. Um, uh-huh. I've done how to write trans characters, how to write the dialect one is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got so many good authors to read um, from that, which is like one of my favorites. And one of my favorite authors, Nalo Hopkinson, who I love. Like if there's someone I want to write like, I just love the way she writes because <laughs> she uses language um, really well. And the the rhythm of the dialogue is really interesting. So, okay, nice. I awesome. So I, I think you can't ask for a better endorsement than that. So I might just have up. to go check it out myself. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, circling back to discord though, really quick is yeah. Discord has been a little quiet, but I think that has a lot to do with where people are at right now and what's going on in the world, to be honest with you. Um, it's yeah. a lot of, folks kind of popping in and out asking for help with things or trying to collaborate on things. Or um, I've noticed recently too, there's been uh, um, we're trying to organize um, voice chats and stuff too. And I think that's just people trying to connect. And I think that's really important right now. I mean, it's one thing to be in your house all day and getting some writing done, but it's another thing to have um, interactions with people as well. And you know, you the three of us chatted for better part of 45 minutes before we even start recording this thing. So I think we're, we're right there with them. So, I mean, I don't yeah. want to say anything, but yeah. Human connection <laughs> is important. And, and, and beyond that, obviously we all live with folks, but it's, it's something to be said to talk to people outside of our bubbles. You know what I mean? Like okay. I've been working in the yard for like all week. And every time someone walks by, they stop and talk to me. And I got really annoyed with it yesterday but like when my buddy comes by or somebody else comes by and they're, you know, they're in their car talking to me from the street is it, it feels good when they're, you know, when they decide to leave, it's like, Oh, I, I talked to somebody and it's, and it's something we took for granted for 40 for something I took for granted for 42 years, you know, 41 years, you know, <laughs> Hey, I'm just going to say it this way. Some of us, our interactions are with like 10 years old and younger. Yeah. I will yeah, yell at an adult from across the street right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, hey, how are you? <laughs> That's a good point, dude. Um, all right. So should we get into what we're doing, what we're talking about this week? Oh this episode. man. We have we have Will back on for a reason. 
Very good reason. So, last- but I'm sure he'll be popping up more often than not, if I'm being honest. But that's hey, 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 I get it. I'm getting the boot. I got it. Okay. You're not uh, getting the boot. No one's replacing well, I gonna, anyone. I was, gonna, I was gonna at least tell you off, Mike, dude. Hey, you know, it's fine. <laughs> We're announcing it on mic. I'm being fired. Oh, fired from a podcast that makes no money. Great, good idea. Hey, we were gonna we were gonna have a conversation afterwards to be like, listen, yeah. we're gonna talk you down, dude. Yeah. And it was gonna be great, but eh, brought is, it up now, so this is not working out. Like you're, oh, but that's you're, not true. you're a nice guy, Nick. You can't nice give it advice with the way you write, okay, sir. We we figured if anything, like when we do the show live, I could at least yeah. have you around to be my minion and get me coffee. Right. Yeah. I mean, someone has to get the coffee. Hey, you just tell me if you want Keurig or you want um, brewed. Okay. <laughs> I might even learn how to French press for you. Oh, Lord. Oh, French go. press is good. <laughs> Never had it. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, coffee aside, uh, back to Nick. What are we talking about, dude? Okay. So, we're doing another uh, episode on short stories, guys. We talked about it last week. We want to kind of take a deeper look on approaching short stories. Um, Last week was a pretty general conversation. Um, so hopefully you guys got some things out of it. But this week we want to take a deeper look, um, which is why we brought Will in to be able to talk to us about some of the things he's seen with short stories. Um, as Will is an avid reader of short stories and gave us some really good recommendations. Um, and I'll just kind of open up where character development through short stories. How do you do it? You know what I liked about what I liked about uh, Nick's uh, sorry Will's recommendations is he recommended uh, what six four to six stories all different and genres we, and, and it was wonderful it was a great list uh, we postponed the episode for two days so that we could read them and read two I read two <laughs> I I'm I'm read the wrong. <laughs> One of them the list was, was there was a long list. Okay, Nick may or may not have maybe read the wrong story, Look, but that's okay. I got told read the one in the drive. There was two. I went with that. No, I put two in there, but okay, it's it's a whole. Thing. Hey, look, it's, it's okay, Nick. He's just sixty-three texts, you know. Marshall. Sixty-three texts. Sixty-three texts, man. For real. So now you know. Now I know what it feels like for you when me and Will go off. Oh my god, dude. Yeah, yesterday when you're like tuned in, you're like, I walked away for 10 minutes. <laughs> it was like probably 20 different texts, right? We had a lot to talk about. Yeah, we, we were back and forth. It was all good. But anyway, yeah. so back to the story. So there are two stories we're going to kind of talk about. We want to talk about character development. Um, and I think these are really good stories to look at a little deeper. Um, do you want to start with the one all three of us have read? Yeah, yes. yeah. Let's definitely yeah. start there. Um, well, I'm going to let you introduce it and kind of talk about it, and then we'll get into our uh, discussion points, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. Um, we are the first short story we read, which is non-genre. It was uh, Fiesta 1980. It's by Juno Diaz, and it was in his short story collection called Drown. Um, I think we should go right into the questions because I kind of feel like the questions are going to tell us what we think the story is about. Because I, I feel like if you give a synopsis of it, it actually doesn't tell you what the story's about. I agree. Okay. Um, so yeah. Fair so enough. let's. So overall impressions. What do you? What do you? What did you think, Nick? I I I liked it because it gave me a lot of good reminders of growing up. Um. 
So they there's obviously there's uh well I mean if you read it and the name of the title is Fiesta, there's a um Hispanic Mexican feel to it, um Latin Hispanic culture there going on. And I grew up around that. Well, I know you did too. Obviously, your your family's from from Cuba. Um, so it really felt like kind of grounded me again and like, oh man, like brought back some good memories. And then like the way things tied in, you're like, oh man, like yeah, I saw that growing up. Yeah, I remember that growing up. Like that does happen. Like so, it was for me, it was very relatable. Um, and it was just a good piece, solid piece. Um, no quarrels with it at all. Told it told a story and drew emotion out of me, which is the things I look for. What I found interesting too about it, and as far as a not a nostalgia piece, but I mean, just of growing up and growing up with a a person in your life that and this is something i know some of us have grown up with having a strict father figure in your life you know and somebody who's kind of on you all the time you know and i know for it brought up a lot for me because i feel like i do that with my kids and i try not to but that's what how kind of how i was raised i'm you know i didn't come up from hispanic background but um it doesn't matter it's just that was the feel and so there was a couple moments in there I kind of winced a little. I was like, oh man, that that's rough. And I feel like if you're able to get those um those feelings out of your readers, um, you you really you're telling a story that um that's relatable. It doesn't matter if you if you're not part of the culture, you know, if, yeah. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the story itself is about family and the unspoken truths between brothers, mothers, and sons. And even the fathers. Yeah. Um, so Junior is probably around 10 to 12 years old in this um, short story. And his brother Rafa is probably about 15, 16 years old. And basically, if anyone hasn't read it, it is a, a just a, I always call it like a photograph of a family in 1980 that are going to see like their aunts and uncles. And it's about the internal drama that Junior feels about his father's um, affair that is never spoken about um, is danced around in such a way through the descriptions and through the dialogue between the characters that it's only spoken once between Rafa and Junior in one line. And it is just beautifully done. I think the language that Juno Diaz writes in, I think his writing creates a lot of energy and modern uh, form of writing like that. I don't think before I read him, I ever saw reflected. Like, I feel like it's deeply ingrained in like, 1980 1990 type of culture mm-hmm. and what i what i did like about like you said the unspokenness about the affair it was like the little things from obviously you get the perspective of the younger of of um what's his name hunia right and yeah. he said he said you know when the dad goes to take a shower right away it's like trying to immediately wash that away and get back into where he's supposed to be in the family um, with that aside and the mom, um, the way that she, you know, it's, it's interesting to way the way the, the characters look at each other, although they know this is going on and he's able to do this. And like you said, with the, uh, uh, 
the language he uses and the way that he tells the story, it's, it's, it comes across really straightforward, but at the same time, it's like, oh man, there's, there's a lot going on in this family and it's not a very long story, you know? No. And, a, and mm-hmm. a lot of it has to do with the dad being mad at, at, at him for getting sick in the, in the VW, in the, in the bus, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I just thought, I just thought that was really interesting how that kind of, it comes around kind of at the end. Mm-hmm. I feel like with the, with the dad and, and, and the main character, but at the same time, like that's just on the surface what's going on. But what's really going on is, is the dad knows that this other stuff is happening in the kid and they know about it and there's no way no one's going to say anything. You know, it's really, it's really interesting. I loved, um, so I've been really like <clears throat> going over my novel and stuff that I want to look at, uh, when I do my rewriting is the first three lines. Like, does it, capture the voice does it create the setting and does it give you a future promise so i just want to read the first line of the story um it says mommy's youngest sister Maitia yerma finally made it to the united states that year i feel like that one sentence already gives you a really strong voice of the character it completely gives you a setting and you know that this is about family right um and then when you go to the next two sentences, I feel like it just broadens that and it encapsulates what the story is really about. And that is um, family. Yeah. And, and it's, and you're right. It is a snippet of what these folks are going through, but, and even if you don't, you know, if you come from a family with, you know, two, you know, loving parents and there's no adultery or whatever's going on in this family. It doesn't mean you can't relate to what's going on because there's always something between siblings. There's always something between, you know, um, aunts and uncles or when you need to go somewhere and you have to deal with how people move through the world. And, and I don't know, he does a really good job of, of, of capturing. And again, not a lot goes on. They basically, they're all at the house. Dude gets in trouble for eating. They get in a car, they go to a party and then they, and then they leave. It's like, that's pretty much all that's really going on. But there's a lot, um, obviously you still get so much of what's actually going on with this family, even though events wise, there's not a lot happening, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The re the reason I wanted us to read this is because, you know, all of us write genre. Right. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, um, and actually Juno Diaz does too. He wrote an amazing short story that was in the New Yorker about a plague and it was totally sci-fi. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Um, I forget the name of it, but I'll give it to you, Marshall. Um, but the reason I chose this was because if we can distill, I think sometimes with genre and when you're beginning to write genre, you can use, um, the otherworldly things as a prop that doesn't always move story forward. So I wanted to give us something that didn't have, that wasn't genre, but we could really see just like you were saying, Marshall, that this is really the story is like him about being sick, his relationship with his dad, and they're going to a party. It's a really simple beginning, middle and end, but there's so much um, impacted in here that it makes it more. So that way I feel like when you're writing genre, I think if we can use what we see in like um, a non-genre form about the way the characters interact, the things that really I felt like stood out to me was about them eating food and put that mm-hmm. in genre you're not yeah. using you're not using the sci-fi fantasy props as props anymore it, the, they're going to just enrich in the story and you know make it um 
quicker, faster, more interesting when you read genre. Yeah, and I think, yeah, and I think what you're saying too is to be careful when you write genre. And and this is what I think I came up against a little bit with a couple of the short stories I wrote. I got really excited about the world I built for a short story. And it's like, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about the other one in a minute. And it's like, you can have the world, but it, but it, especially in short fiction, that can't be the focus. It has to be the character or a question being answered. Or, you know, if you go back to Mary Robinette's, um, you know, lecture on the mice quotient, it has to be really hyper-focused. Otherwise it's not a short story anymore. And it becomes more about, like you said, the prop of this cool, fantastic stuff going on when really you're trying to tell a mentor uh, apprentice story or something like that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. What do you think, Nick? Sorry, you were going to say somebody. Sorry. Oh no. I was going to tell you that the food prop that you guys were just talking about reminds me of Skyrim. You guys know how popular sweet rolls are throughout the entire series. Like, it's just a common thing. Sweet rolls. Oh, I could, I could do anything for a sweet roll right now. You know, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, that's cool. Like, and and that's like an actual thing for them. And and I think that's the interesting to, thing to kind of prop up is is food, right? Because we can all relate to it. You can like throw in your flavors and things like that that you need to with food to give a little bit more um, assumed background on a character, right? Of their culture, right? Um, because if you talk about your, someone's eating curry and stuff like that, and it's a very specific style of curry, like that's going to take someone and be like, okay, like maybe this is what they are now. Like maybe they're actually, instead of a white male, they look like this, you know? Um, so that's so why I love, I love that. Let me ask you guys this. Okay. We, we know there not much really happened in the story which is why, you know, obviously this is a character driven story. What progressed um, the story rather than what's happening? What about the main character? What was so big for him? Did you see a change from the beginning on how he felt to the end? I, I don't know. I think, I, I think there was a definite understanding, even though, because in the beginning of the story, he talks about how he's always the one that the dad's mad at. Right. Uh, but I think at the end or towards the end, you there's more of an understanding from the from his perspective, you know, towards the dad. Um, I don't know if he forgives him necessarily, but at the same time, I think there's a mutual kind of I don't know a truce. Does that does that make sense? I don't know if you felt that too, but I think. Go what ahead, were you going to say, Nick? Um, I think when we say, um, and for the dear listeners, like I would say this, there's a lot that happens in this story, but at the same time, it's not structured in a way that when you read science fiction, fantasy, or horror, um, where you see more of a resolution, right? Like a more climatic thing. I think when you actually, when you read this and go over it again, you'll see this, that Junior is looking back about the father who left. It's written all in there. And I don't think when you first read it, you necessarily pick that up. You know, and I think that's a brilliant way to use voice and character of when you're writing a short story, because there's so much in this that's so beautiful that you could, like, this is the 
I don't know, 50th time that I wrote it, that I wrote it, that I read it. And um, I picked up more things that I'm like, oh my gosh, it was there that whole time staring me in my face. And I feel like the absence of the father really came out at me because while he's present in the story, it, through the language, through the way that he does the details of certain things, he is not there anymore. And right. I feel like that's haunting. And I think, and I, and I, I think I didn't really get across what I meant to say a second ago, not necessarily understanding of the father, but you're right. I, there, you definitely get that feel that he is reflecting back and, and there's something, but he's noticing something in this last paragraph. He says in the darkness, I saw that Pappy had a hand on Mammy's knee um, and that the two of them were quiet and still, they weren't slumped back or anything. They were both wide awake, bolted into their seats. It's like the little details of their interaction. It's almost like, like you said earlier, like a snapshot. Like, this is what I remember of them, maybe for the last thing. And then they both look back at me a minute. A minute later, they both look at back at him knowing what was happening. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it, it's a, I, I don't really know exactly how I want to say it, but um, they both look back already knowing what was happening. It's like, okay, they know what's happening in their lives. They know what's happening with him. They know his reaction to whatever's going to happen next, which is likely him leaving for this other woman anyway. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And I, I felt like that line, it's like you feel, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess I come from a product of divorce um, <laughs> and I felt like it's heartbreaking. You know, there's mm -hmm. little things that I remember about my parents' divorce crystal clear of knowing when my dad would never come back home again. And I think that that little line was just so good. And I think, I, I think back about to the novel that I'm writing, right? Because what I love about short stories is you can pack a lot of emotion and um, without saying very much. So how can I do that in my novel? And I thought yeah. about my main character because at the heart of the story of the book that I'm writing, while it's like a space opera heist, um, it's really about, um, a girl and her brother and the friends that they have trying to survive trauma, you know, and it really comes down to the people that help you survive that trauma. And how can I distill sure. that in certain scenes like this? And so this is why I felt like this would be such a good one to read. And it's absolutely one of my favorite short stories that he's written. And I love this story and I'm glad that I ended up getting it on audible and with a collection of other stories, what nine other stories by him. Cause I yeah. definitely going to read the others. Um, let's move on to the next one. If you guys don't okay. mind. Yeah, no problem. Uh, and this is the one that Nick hasn't read yet. Maybe we can circle back to it uh, on the next episode. Um, if we're continuing on short stories, which we may be, um, but we will and I both read elephants and corpses, um, which is by Cameron, Cameron Hurley. Hurley. Mm -hmm. And oh man, okay. So <laughs> I I I listened to this this morning. Um, you know, I listen to audiobooks fairly quickly, and I slowed this one down a little bit because it's a short story, and I didn't want to miss anything. Um, but I loved first of all, and like we, well, you mentioned this earlier, Will, and you, me, and our and my friend Brian have talked about this too. Um, in relation to what um what we've learned in other, in other things is that, like you said, you want to place the reader, you make a promise and you, and, and you get their attention all at the same time within the first few sentences. Right. 
this this story starts off kind of crazy, but and and it doesn't explain the world very well. I'll be honest, it doesn't explain how any of this happens, but yep. it doesn't actually matter, and which is why I think this is a beautiful uh, story to read if you're trying to write genre short fiction, and you have a world in the background. This is like we were talking about earlier. You have a world in the background going on, but the how it happens doesn't matter because the characters are compelling and the events that are happening are intriguing enough to keep you going. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a nutshell, this is like, there are, what, what do they call them? Uh, body, body, mercenaries. hunters, yeah. body mercenaries. That's it. Yep. So it's like, there's certain people from what I've gathered from this that are able to, when they die, uh, transfer their consciousness into another dead body. Yes. And it's, that's all you need to know. I mean, and, and the two characters, the two main characters are, um, one is like a handler, which you really don't find out until towards the end that Tara. that's what their, that Tara's job is. It's kind of to handle, make sure he has bodies to go into. And it's really, really interesting. Um, but I don't know. What do you think as far as, um, how do, how do I want to phrase the question? I should go to the questions that we have, right? I was going to say, I got questions. Okay. You have questions. Go. Yeah, um, so I'm totally curious, right? Because this is a um, sci-fi fantasy story, right? Yes. How did you know? Like, what descriptors did you guys see throughout this short story that just let you know, hey, this is totally fantasy or this is totally sci-fi? Um, let me... And if you could read me a line, that'd be great um, to kind of look at, I... the, at an example. I have I have a couple of things. Let me read you the first three sentences of the yeah, story. Yeah, I was going to say, read the first three sentences. Because um, this, this is just like beautiful setup. Bodies are only beautiful when they aren't yours. It's why Nev had fallen in love with bodies in the first place. When you spend time with the dead, you could be anyone you wanted to be. I feel like those three sentences have so much weight And then you start to see in the next paragraph about Tara, his body manager, um, and everything that goes on and it starts to build the world. And like, and what I meant by, you don't know what a body manager is. You don't really get that. What her job is until the end. It's like you, you gloss over body manager. You're like, Oh, whatever. Tara is body manager. And it's like, and then at the end, it's like, Holy crap. He needs this woman. Yeah, he needs this woman desperately, and 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 uh, Cameron Hurley does a really good job, especially towards the end, of kind of walking back the process of well, if you've lived through thousands of different bodies and time and handlers, why bother going back and finding this one person? Well, and then he kind of you know, and you see this back and forth um, in in his mind of why he needs to save this woman. And I don't want to spoil too much for Nick because it's definitely worth reading. Um, but in the beginning, they there's this back and forth about, you know, about the body they find. Right. And then she does a really, really good job of, of uh, giving out information bits at a time. Later, you find out that body is actually significant to the handler. And then you, and then it kind of keeps going from there. And it's, it's really, it's a trip. It's really freaking good. And there's action. There's, there's, 
things going on, but at the same time, it's not. And again, this is why I wanted to bring why I like this is it's a good example when they go to a different location or they go somewhere like in a novel, you would get all this flower, you know, all this description about what's going on and where they are and who these people are and what they're wearing and all the stuff. You don't get any of that in this story. It's like they move from place to place and thing to thing, but it's about the characters and how they're moving. Um, and, and I think that's the compelling part in my opinion about this. So. Um, I also think, um, you know, it's not overly flowery language when she just, when like, Cameron writes descriptions, but then she just has some um, descriptions in here that I felt was interesting that told you a lot about the world. And I'm going to read you part of the one sentences that I was like, oh, this is completely like flipped. Dressing up as a man was an odd thing for a woman to do in this city when men couldn't even own property. Right. One sentence that totally tells you that this is a, um, a matriarch. It's not a patriarchal right. society. And it just effortlessly fits in and it gives you, oh my gosh, like what is actually going on? And, um, they, and they come back to it later here and mm-hmm. there, but it's like you, after that sentence, you're like, well, yeah, obviously guys are nothing in this world, you know? And every time a guy shows up, it's almost like there's a little line or a little jab in there. It's like, yeah, it doesn't really matter, but, or, you know, uh, unless it was a fight and there's that one, there's a one sentence in there, uh, when it says he comes against up against three men or something like that. And it's like, Oh, that would be it. That's a problem. You know what I mean? And it's almost like men yeah. are there for brute force and that's it. <laughs> exactly. You know? Meaning yeah. they were all expendable. So right, when, he, right. when she describes the three men coming after him, when Nev is saying, Oh God, these three guys are after me. It means, Oh, well they don't care if the men die because they're just right. men. Right. Which and the language like, there's, there's the, a lot of profanity, but it's mm-hmm. like, not, not in the way, like just for profanity's sake, it's like, it makes sense. It's a gritty world. It's really amazing how well this world comes together in, I mean, this is obviously a lot longer than the other piece, but at the same time, it's um to fit that much world building and tell a character driven story is really, um, really, really something to, to admire and, uh, to aspire towards for sure. Yeah. And it's a, uh, it's a 4,800 word count. Approximately. Is it 48? Think, yeah. I think it's 4812. Okay. Yeah. So 4,812, which is, that's still really good for like yeah. the amount of stuff that she puts in there. I'm like, also, I really liked that. Um, his elephant Falid. I think yeah. uh, is how you say it. I think what's interesting about Nev's character is he just looks at like bodies, like whatever, they're just like putting on clothes, but then his elephant, Philid, he loves and is so tender with, and is so like, I mean, spoiler everyone, when Philid gets yeah. hurt, he's just like, those motherfuckers, like they didn't mean to do that to him. <laughs> like what's up? Like that was and just I, so it- wrong. And I took that as, you know, he's fleeting with bodies, body to body, body to body, it's fine, whatever it is, they're already dead, he just is occupying them, right? Mm-hmm. But like, an animal doesn't have that, you know what I mean? Like, this this thing that he cares for, that he can be with in the world, is it can't do that. And so, it's something more precious about that relationship. I thought that was really interesting, too. And then, at the end, I don't want to spoil it, there's another animal towards the end, it's, it's hilarious, I thought that was pretty funny, with the... um 
uh, I just say it was the turtle. Yeah. What the turtle, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And what's interesting is, um, Cameron, uh, writes more short stories with Nev. Um, and oh, really? there's, yeah, okay. there's an, there's another one that I felt was like really heartbreaking. You know, okay. Well, now, I'm, now I'm gonna be sad, but just to give, just to, uh, just cause we were talking about language and <clears throat> voice and that kind of thing, just to kind of round out the conversation. Um, the dialogue is really good. So it says, this is towards the end. And, sorry, spoilers, Nick and anybody else listening, I guess. Okay. Um, then why'd you ask? She said, I can't afford a fucking elephant, but living people need to care about things. Keeps you human, keeps you alive. And that's my job, you know, keeping you alive, not just living. I'm not sh- sure. I just take the fucking turtle. He took the fucking turtle. You know what I mean? It's like, it's it. I'm like, Oh man, that is just, it's so, it's so good. Uh, you got it. You got to read the story, dude. It's good. Uh, yeah. Like it. I definitely plan on to because I write in science fiction and fantasy short stories and I struggle with building too big of a world and it doesn't feel like a short story. So I definitely want to take a look at this one and see yeah. what's going on with it. Now there's you guys for both stories. There's a couple things you guys mentioned that I kind of want to touch on. And it's, it's the descriptor's choice. Um, and Marshall, you may remember this. Well, I don't, uh, the Brandon Sanderson lectures that's posted online. Um, there's one of them where he's talking about, you need to dive deeper with less words. And Brandon Sanderson's example was he slightly tripped. And it's like, no one slightly trips. They either trip or they don't. Slightly stumbled. Yeah. Like, you know, there, right. there's these extra words people are always putting on. Now, in the first one, Fiesta, I believe it was you, Marshall, um, talking about how he saw um, his parents sitting there, or it might have been the other woman, but one word hit, hit, hit me hard was bolted. They were bolted in their position. And right. Like, that's enough. Like, I don't like, that's a very, very descriptive word. It's very, it's a powerful descriptor. Yeah. And so that, and that's what I kind of want to highlight from that story is that's all we needed. This is what we're trying to take away from short stories. Right. Um, when we are comparing, contrasting short story versus novels, like that's what you have to do in a short story to keep your work count under. Yeah, but this practice is going to help tell a better novel as well. So, just want to throw that one out there and ask you guys from um, Elephants and Corpses, what kind of descriptors did you guys see that just kind of they were powerful? They hit you, and you were like, "Yes, I get it." With that one two word sentence statement, let's see if I can find something here. There were a couple of lines I should have. Like I said, I listened to this on Audible. I'm looking at the text. Actually, you know what I did for the first time in a while since I was sitting kind of half working? I was listening to the audiobook and as, even as fast as I listened to it, um, but following along on the text with this one because Ooh. I really wanted to see I wanted to see the words. Um, I, I recommend this to my students quite a bit, too, because I'm like, well, everybody likes being read to. It feels like being read to. Like I read pretty slowly for a man of words and you know someone who is an English teacher or used to be. Um, I read slow because I like, I, I find myself hanging on the words and, you know, thinking about it as I'm going. That's why I like audiobooks. It's like, I just process it different, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, let me see uh, if I can find, uh, there was a couple lines in here. You find anything? Will? while I was, yeah, I have some good. So the things that I really loved, and this is the scene with Nev, um, they were beginning to turn now the body slightly bloated, 
overfill, but he could see the humanity still, paintings in need of restoration. And this was when Nev was looking at the dead bodies. Right. I mean, um, very, very like overly flowery, flowery language there. But the prose in that just, oh, that's a great line. Like, there's no argument on that one. Mm-hmm. No. Did you find anything, Marshall? Um, Nick, I cut you off. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say, well, for you, what what can you pull from this piece specifically, and to put into your work? What did you gain most knowledge on? What did you learn from this piece? Um. Wow, I always learn something when I read Cameron's book. That you can be equally give visceral, gross, bloody words on the page and have a deeply flawed, beautiful human character. I think there's some scenes that in here that are just like filled with blood and guts. I mean, flat out says it. Um, This one, this one's not too bloody and gutty, but I did find one spot. I think that speaks to what you were saying, Will, and maybe answers Nick's question. Uh, It says, Nev ran. His body was humming now, rushing with life, vitality. A red haze filled his vision. And when the next armed man stepped in front of him, he dispatched him neatly with a palm strike to the face. It's like you can feel a movement. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Especially because of building on what happens earlier when he gets in a new body, he's like sluggish for a bit. And this is when he's getting momentum and he's getting his power back. And now he's moving and then he's just dealing with fools basically it's it's really well done yeah yeah no i love that statement now marshall for you same question what what did you pull from this short story that you want to implement in your own writings um i like the personally uh, focusing on the character first and the world second and and telling and this is something that, you know, instructors have said before on, on the retreats and stuff like that. It's like, well, if you're, especially if you're writing short fiction, okay. So you, you can't spend three pages talking about the landscape. So what can you put out there that shows the world? What little, what, what can you say? Like you were saying earlier, what can you say with less? And what, what Cameron does really well is dialogue mixed with short bursts of world building that seamlessly flow. And you don't, you don't question the fact it's a matriarchy matriarchal society. And that um, this guy, you don't, you don't ever ask the question because it's never going to be answered. How is this guy jumping from body to body? What happened in the world? What kind of world is this? You don't think about any of that stuff. Cause it's just like, all right, that's just the way it is. You know what I mean? And that's what I feel like is, is, what we need to find if we're trying to write genre short fiction. Mm-hmm. Sure. Love it. Um, man, I really wish I, were, I'm going to read it as soon as you get, we get that in here. If you don't read it, I'm, you don't Be know. Man. What I'm do. Be I've man. been to Utah once before. So. <laughs> you want to come again? <laughs> I would love to, man. When all this shit's over, I'll tell you that. Hey, I'm just saying, if we don't get to go to a writing conference, yeah. I'm, I might be throwing one here in Utah. I don't know if 2020 is our year, man. Maybe 2021. <laughs> um, 2020 is like, I thought 2016 was awful. It's nothing uh, know, on right? 2020. Uh, and people were complaining about 2019, right? 
Um, yeah, twenty. I'm just saying. I feel like so, people complain about it every year until it's five years later, and they're like, "Oh, that wasn't that bad." Yeah, but but no other year in my 41 years had a pandemic. So <laughs> that's not true. And it's 41 years a pandemic, a global pandemic. That shut everything down. No, no we've that- had we've had we've had we've had stuff, but we haven't had a global. I've never been had to be locked down in my house in my life. Yeah, so that's okay. Let's just put it that that, you haven't. No, why? For what know. reason? I have. Well, there you are. why? Because of a shooter? No, may or may not have been exposed to a flesh eating bacteria while in the army. Okay. That's very uh, um, specific, well, and yeah, I'm sorry. That is specific to your undercover I'm, operation. <laughs> I'm talking about. I'm not talking about your secret ops posi- your your secret ops jobs, man. I'm wow, talking Nick, about- they're gonna they're gonna come for you. <laughs> mm. You said it. I recorded it. I'm not cutting it. Hey, that's that's fine. It was someone else got it. <laughs> oh god. And then all right. <sighs> anyway, I think we did pretty good with these two pieces and i'm glad we didn't try to tackle more than two we can come back um next time and talk about a couple others if people like this kind of thing please let us know in the discord um i really enjoyed reading these um i think we can learn a lot uh, about our own writing through published amazing works like this definitely read these pieces i'll put links in the show notes to um both of them and uh jump in the discord let us know what you think about uh about these pieces and we can come back Give us recommendations on short stories to read. That's all. That's all. Do this. Hey, whoa! <laughs> just I want other people to feel like they can be included. I'm just kidding. This, he is our okay, resident is encyclopedia, but not even close to a lie. I can ask for <laughs> no. Anything, I know that's what I'm saying. Anything he has an answer for, and it's great, <laughs> and it's right, and I always fact checked him. Um. <laughs> So you do fact check me, actually. I, there I, was one thing we were talking about, and you were like, "Yeah, you were actually right about that." And I was like, "Oh my help. god!" You're like, "Dude, you looked it up." Jeez. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> look. You know, he, wants, he this, wants to keep me on my toes. In this day and age, like I fact check memes before I even react to them. Okay. Oh my uh, god. Yeah, you have to. When so, if someone yeah, posted that's... something earlier, I was like, ah, "Give me a fact check." Okay, I'll make a comment now. Like. Yeah, it's just it is it is the day we live in, right? Um, so and Marshall, we kind of discussed this. Probably didn't we discuss how it. for my sanity we're keeping it under forty five minutes. Is that what you're about to say? Or yes. Yeah, so well, Marshall I mean, wants us to record for four hours. He really does. <laughs> I don't know why he's always such a rush. I'll talk to you guys for four hours, but I'm not editing four hours of podcast. I'll I'll tell I don't you know that. why he has to edit it. You know, just just throw it out there. I didn't see why stupid this time. Maybe I have no don't. idea what your mic picks up. No idea. Oh, that's Continue. true. What were you going to say? Very true. No, um, we're going to round out the short story section here uh, with an interview with Aaron Roberts, um, who is a Hugo nominee. Awardee. I, I've got to look it up now, but she she's one of a few words for short stories. Uh, her well-known one is Sour Milk Girls. Um, we'll post links and things like that to her site and things. Um, so you guys can check her out. If you've been on a WXR cruise, you guys know Erin. She's great. She's going to help us out and uh, kind of get through this uh, how to write a short story section here. It's all she does. So this is her forte. And uh, after that, we'll move on to uh, how do we approach novels. And hopefully we can get Will back on here again and uh, get another interview going. 
with uh, another author that's been uh, published out there more than we have. For sure. Yeah. Published one book, even self-published, it's more than us. Oh, like I said, we just got to keep the conversation going. So jump in Discord and keep it going. Uh, Will, I can't thank you enough for joining us again, sir. Thanks for having me. Um, And texting with you and Nick every day um, rounds out my sanity for sure in these trying times. So thank you for being a friend. And also thanks for being on our show. And thank you for letting me keep it under 50 minutes. That's great. I love it. Thanks you for should be me. thinking. I should be thanking Nick for that, actually. Hey, look, because <laughs> I, I cut him off. I think he was going to ask like five more questions, and I just cut. Him I off. was not. <laughs> like you can tell, Marshall's been the dad the longest of the three of us. <laughs> okay, because he's like, okay, and he's the teacher because he was like, all right, yeah. wrap this up. Okay, I'm moving on, <laughs> moving on, yeah, moving on. <laughs> this has been Just Keep Writing, a podcast for writers by writers to keep you writing. I am at Darth Pops on Twitter, and Nick is at Bright Inks. You can find this show on iTunes and your favorite podcatchers. So like and share this show with your writing community. If you'd like to share or discuss anything we talked on the show or whatever you have going on, you can post it on our Discord channel, Facebook page, or send it to me. I am Marshall at MarshallCar.com or Nick at Nicholas Bright at BrightInks.org. You can find our writing and the show notes for each episode on our websites, MarshallCar.com and BrightInks.org. Lastly, if you want to support the show, the best way to do that is patreon.com slash just keep writing. And you can find us there and give us a couple bucks an episode and help us do what we do. And we can help you now. Just keep writing.